Welcome, critters and creeps, to another episode of CadaverCast. I'm Al Brenham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. And we are coming to you from the Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. And today, we have a special movie, I guess? Uh, very special for yeah. you. Today, we are doing Nightbreed. Yeah, this is a really advanced one for you that I didn't think we'd get to for a long, 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 long time. But I I, I made it through it, yeah. Yeah, uh, and the only reason we ended up watching it at all for the show, and I wouldn't have even thought to let you watch this, is because of this new uh, Scream Factory 4K release. Just happened to be checking that out uh, when Steve was over? Is that right? Yeah, Steve was over. Yeah. <laughs> so when Steve, we were watching, watching this with our friend Steve uh, when Steve was in town, and yeah, Al sat through the whole thing. I and I I don't know, listeners. Like we're at that point. Um, some of you have listened from the start. You've listened since Al was four years old. Since <laughs> Al could only watch things with like giant ants and stuff in them. And <laughs> yeah. here you are watching a Clive Barker film. Yeah. And yeah, here we are. There, there it is. Yeah, man, it's crazy to me. Uh, this is one that is, uh, listeners, if you haven't seen Nightbreed, boy, I mean, you should. You should check it out. But, I mean, it is chock-a-block full of monsters and murder and mayhem. Yeah. But you liked it. Yeah. It's one of my favorites, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Like, right out the gate, just you've seen it once and you just immediately were like, nah, I get this. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my probably it's one of my most uh favorite horror movies I've ever seen. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about that. What makes it stand out for you? And also, I'll we should uh, preface this, listeners. We will be talking about the 4K release from Scream Factory so that you have the details on that. We'll get to that after we talk about the movie itself. But one of the things about this release that is I don't know, not curious, but important to note is that the only 4k transfer they had that they could put on here it seems is the theatrical cut so the new transfer the new scan the new 4k scan that's on the the scream factory 4k disc and um on the blu-ray in that set as well is all it's the same new scan but it is from the theatrical cut so what's important to note and the reason i'm bringing this up is that most people will generally prefer to watch, at least nowadays, I'm assuming, most people will prefer to watch the director's cut, the longer, more in-depth, character-rich, story-rich director's cut, which you will watch. You just haven't seen that cut because that's not what was on the 4K disc, and we wanted to watch it in 4K. So... You got to see the same cut that I did when I was a teenager, and I'm interested here in talking to you about this to see not just what your opinion is, but to kind of explain and, you know, I don't know, compare original experiences. Because I watched this for the first time when I was probably 14, maybe 15, maybe, like probably 14 though. So, you know, you're almost 12, so in the same ballpark age, right? Yeah. But I still also really, really liked it when I first saw it. I watched it probably five times. <laughs> I borrowed it from our neighbor wow. across the street and just watched it and watched it and watched it. Um, but what is it about the movie that you loved, about Nightbreed, the theatrical cut, that just made it stick with you? Well, I mean, one, 
I really like the story of it. I also like, I like all the set pieces. It's also a really beautiful looking movie. Um, oh, absolutely. It, there is a lot of matte paintings. Right. Yeah. And yeah. not just the matte paintings, but also uh, the practical sets that they had yeah. at Pinewood Studios. Those massive, beautiful yeah. Midian underground sets. Oh, yeah. It was like uh, that entire place is one set. In one scene, they were like 40 feet above the ground. In yeah. It. Like, yeah. 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 So. We ended up watching almost every single special feature hey, on the yes. set. Because... Al just wanted to know every single thing about the movie. Yeah. The more we watched, the more Al was like, ooh, now I wanted to learn about that. I want to learn about the map paintings. I want to learn about uh, the creature design. And I don't know. There's something about this. And you and I were talking about it afterwards, Al. Your excitement over this movie and what you were so enthralled by with it is very much in keeping with where the show was when we started it off. Seven years ago, right? Yeah. Or six years ago? Seven. No, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, seven years ago. (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah. Um, And, of course, we just recently Mm -hmm. celebrated the seven-year anniversary of the show. So, uh, happy anniversary, Al, for that. And uh, thank you all for hanging around all this time. But remember, go back to the first episode, and you'll hear us talking about miniatures and matte paintings and all that kind of stuff and how yeah. the, how it's produced and in our episode on the fly i don't know if you remember this the original fly there's a section where you were practicing creating some foley sounds right you were like trying to get that experience of creating some fake sounds to replicate the sound of like fly pincers using things in your bedroom do you remember this no Yeah, go back and listen to that sometime, kiddo. Uh, It's a hoot because you've always been fascinated by how the movies were made. And I saw that watching all of this stuff with you. It was so exciting. And I thought you were going to be really scared by the movie, but you were enamored with these creatures really into all of like the makeup effect stuff. But I would stress for listeners, if you have a kid Al's age and they aren't in film production (laughs) and stuff at all, Definitely watch the movie to gauge it first because there's a lot of a lot of stuff for parental guidance, right? Yeah. I mean, what would you warn parents about? There's a scene that well, the only scene I did not watch. Uh, I think you know uh, about it more, Dad. Well, there's a lot of gore in the movie. Yeah, it's, a, a, it's a it's a pretty lot. gory movie. Yeah. Not like super super gory. It's not Hellraiser gory by any means, but it's still pretty gory and there there's a scene yeah i in early on in the movie where a guy has to i don't even know if i can describe it on the on our show if we're gonna stay family friendly i don't know whatever you're watching nightbreed now a guy tries to remove his face (laughs) Um, yeah there you go uh you've watched nightbreed i guess the tone of the show is shifting let's just go with it a guy gets his face he like tries to pull his face like the skin of his face off yeah. Um, he becomes one of our main characters. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. But that's the only scene I did not see. Right. And there's still other gore, too. Yeah. There's plenty yeah. of other gore in the movie. Yeah. But I just don't want to see that. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't want to watch that. And I think if you'd seen that, you probably would have stopped watching the movie right there. But honestly, once you made it through the title where it shows all of the, you know, the, the monsters behind the letters for Nightbreed when it shows... Um, whatever, Peliquin and, um, oh man, 
What's her name? Uh, Shunasasi. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Her too. When it shows them behind the title, once you were like, ooh, they're cool, and you were really excited to see those monsters again, I knew you were good to go. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I really liked it. It was awesome. And Shunasasi is also like a naked monster lady, so there is like nudity stuff in it, but she's like a porcupine monster lady, so I don't know what you want, man. Like <laughs> all the monsters are really cool. They're so cool. And then like where they literally describe to us how they did it and it's like crazy. Yeah, yeah. There is like 300 monsters. That's what they said. Yeah. And they said it was either the record for most monsters in a movie or the record for most monsters in a British movie <laughs> up to that point in time, like the world yeah. record. So uh, and it shows, though, being all practical monster stuff, they had to design them, do all of the work, you know, all of the little latex face prosthetics for all of the people. And yeah. sometimes it was an entire face. Sometimes it's a bodysuit. What mm-hmm. what monsters did you like? Let's let's talk about uh, that. I want to hear what you like. Obviously, the first one I said, that guy's cool, is the, you know, the guy with the, the, his, the mouth. I forgot. The guy with the giant mouth. I literally Pelican? said, yeah, I said at the beginning, that's not cool. Yeah, he's got the the sort of the I don't know the tendrils coming yeah. off, off of his head and then, or whatever. Like, it's like um the one I, who bites boom. Yeah, and then I realized uh like while watching it that it's like a mask when he does that. It's like a mask that already has an open face, and when the person like opens his mouth, it goes really big. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that one prosthetic. The what you're talking about the. Yeah. The shot that's underneath the title where Pelequin's mouth just goes Rah! really, really, yeah. really wide. And, and that is a singular mask that's only used for that. Yeah. You know? And I realized that like while watching the special features, I'm like, oh, that's really cool because it is. Yeah. And it looks like the actual n- normal Pelequin. Like they did it that well. It's really awesome how they did the special effects. And when you think about that, too, you could have just had the actor playing Pelequin do like he could just like scream. He could just be like, Rah! and you just go, OK, cool. Like that's Pelequin screaming. Got it. But doing a full extra Pelequin head with an animatronic mouth, that's the little that little bit further that they went with Nightbreed that makes it special. The movie was not received well when it came out. Despite the fact that Al clearly loved what yeah. was in that theatrical cut. I liked it a lot growing up, but always felt that it needed something. It was missing something. Which Alistair benefits from knowing that there is a better cut of the movie out there. Yes. <laughs> so you can watch this go, oh, cool. That was really great. Can't wait to see the better one. Whereas I watched it as a teenager going, that was really good. But, man, I wish I knew more about Midian. Like, I wish yeah. I knew more about the monsters. There's, like, one monster where his, like, entire body is, like, above his face. Oh. Like, that big blob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where the face the is, like, down is at crotch crazy. level. That thing is... It's crazy. And then there's a thing of stop motion, which... That's good. There was going to be more stop motion they talked about in the special features, but, you know... Yeah, we just get a little teeny tiny bit of stop motion. And it's good. It's cool. Yeah, and it adds a little bit of personality and charm to Midian. And I think also seeing that stop motion, and while we're on that subject of personality and charm, I think that makes us like Midian all the more. Even though it is like a weird little monster eating a rat, it's this kind of charming, nice little thing where 
you're like, oh, look at that little stop motion monster. And it's kind of cute. Yeah. And they really want you to, at least the filmmakers did when they were making the movie, want you to really feel for the the creatures of Midian. Yeah. Which ties into something that is an eternal preference of yours in monster movies, I think. Because this movie's about monsters from a very specific perspective. That they're the good guys. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you've always viewed it, right? Yeah. Most of our who the Al is are you trying to figure out in what way the monster was totally innocent. You know? Yes. <laughs> so. And I mean, I think personally, all monsters are innocent and it's us. That's just how I think. Like, I think we did it, not them. That's just my personal thought. If a monster is made by us, we did all of the horrors. The monster can't be blamed for being what it is. And And these monsters aren't even monsters who are going around eating people. No, it's our, it's us. Mm -hmm. It's we, we did it. We're the monsters. Like with giant kaiju movies like Godzilla, we're the ones that made him mad. It's our fault. Or made them like full stop made, you know, Godzilla or whatever, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that is, you know, right at the heart of this film and so many works by the likes of, you know, Clive Barker and these horror masters where the people are the ones who've done wrong and the monsters are a byproduct of that. The monsters symbolize that or the monsters represent those who are victimized. Yeah. And of course, we like we like our stories to be about monsters who we can sympathize with or empathize with. Yeah, the movies, as you know, if they have, like, monsters that, you know, we can sympathize with. I like them. I like those types of movies Mm -hmm. a lot. That's just how I like it. That's just how I think. And that's kind of another reason why I like Nightbreed so much. Just because the monsters are the good guys. Yeah. Yeah, and it does have a... A very slight bent in the final cut, in the theatrical cut, toward trying to make the monsters look more monstery. That was sort of one of the things placed on the filmmakers by the studio, you know, that, you know, we want, want it to be more action-y. We want the monsters to be more monstery. They didn't kind of get it, it seems. So it does play out more like an action movie, right, yeah. than a horror movie, this theatrical cut. Um, But that's because the final cut was done by Mark Goldblatt, who they brought in, who had done um, Commando and Rambo and stuff like that, Um, would go on to make the, or not go on to make, had also just made the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, if I'm not mistaken. I could be thinking of a completely different Mark. Something like that. I don't remember exactly. I don't know if he even talked about it in the special feature, but... I mean, they wanted him to make it more of an action-y movie. They wanted reshoots, the studio did. Um, What was great about listening to the special features here while we're on the subject is that from my perspective, you know, the kind of word around the film, the legend around the film is that, like, you know, they basically kind of kicked Clive Barker out or forced Clive Barker to do this, that, or the other thing. And, yeah, I mean, they did require him to do this, that, or the other thing. But he was a part of it. You know, and Mark Goldblatt talks about, you know, working with Clive Barker on this final theatrical edit of the movie. Is it what Clive Barker wanted? No. But was it what Clive Barker was 
working on and willing to do and trying to make concessions to make the best movie he possibly could within the framework uh, that he was working in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what he has is something very, very special. They ended up, as a result, filming some more scenes that I think in the director's cut do wonders for some of the characters. Yeah. Um, in particular, and, Decker. And uh, I think watching the special features, I do once, you know, when they, I, I watch the director's cut, I am sure I will like it more. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot more stuff that, like, I thought... That's really cool. I wish that was in the original one that I watched. Yeah, well, what yeah. what stuff? What other stuff did you like? What other stuff were you looking for? I know our listeners want to hear everything you have to say about it. Yeah. The final scene uh, with, like, the giant battle, that's really cool. Oh, yeah. I really think that's really, really cool. Um, Where the police, the human police invade Midian. Yeah, yeah. And then... You've also got, like, all the the guys that they just hired for money who are, like, literally just obviously super drunk. Oh, the the locals? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say they were hired. Do you mean hired as actors or hired by the police within the reality of the movie? Okay. Within the reality of the movie, they weren't hired by the police. They're just country yokels who are excited to go out and get a chance to shoot something and they're drunk. Yes. That's that's who those that's characters are. Yeah. But yes, it's pretty obvious that they're drunk. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it made it a little bit easier when they all died horribly. You know, maybe they felt it a little bit less or something. Yeah. Personally, I think the final action sequence... Sequent. I think the final action sequence is really, really, really cool. A lot of fire, a lot of explosions, lots of monsters. It's awesome. It's yeah. very awesome. Well, and that is, it really is the centerpiece of the movie yeah. in this theatrical cut. Right? I mean, yeah. the, the whole movie is about that because it is also like a full third of the film's runtime. It's, like, <laughs> it's most of the movie, it feels yeah. like. It's like that one battle. It's so, so big. And then... I love the Midian set piece. That is just awesome. It's super cool. And they Mm -hmm. literally, it's just one set, too. Like, that entire bridge set is, like, it's just one set piece. And I think that's awesome. I like all the set pieces. The matte paintings are beautiful. Yeah, there are such extensive matte paintings in there that, that I recognize when I watch it. But... When we watch the special features, there are parts of some shots that I didn't realize were matte painted. Yeah, and it was like so much of it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. In a matte painting, um, I mean, you can achieve them, I guess, different ways. But kind of the traditional way of viewing a matte painting uh, and understanding it is somebody would paint on a glass plate and you'd put that in front of the camera and film a very specific angle so that the glass plate would line up with the stuff behind it and create the illusion that you had, I don't know, uh, magical mystical towers sticking up behind a city or, you know, that it had this yeah. beautiful mountain backdrop and maybe the, the backdrop was no mountains at all before. You know, you could do something like that, but tons of map paintings. And, and we didn't even realize, even though we knew there's a lot, we didn't even realize how much of it mm-hmm. was actually a map painting. Like, there was that one scene where you said it was on all sides. It was, 
but we didn't see how much on all sides. Yeah. There was like, when it shows it, there's like a couple buildings that are not matte painting. And then, yeah, that's really crazy. Then there's the mountain background, which is, there's one scene towards the beginning, got giant mountain behind a city. That is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Bob Ross's Nightbreed. <laughs> yep. Kind of. But I think it's really cool. And I... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's funny is... Uh, we've been talking for a little bit now. Um, in the episode when it's cut down. Probably about 20 minutes of episode. And you haven't talked about the story at all. Which I think is pretty telling about the state of the movie in its final form. Yeah. Because it's kind of... The novel is this big epic novel. The original version of the film that Barker had envisioned and been working on and filmed was a big epic adaptation of an epic novel. And we end up with a 90-ish minute actioner as a result, right? Like, what is it, 102 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. But... And then his cut is like two hours. Right. The director's cut is two hours. Yeah. And then the cabal cut that I saw here in Chicago years and years ago um, when it was first being seen by people, the cabal cut, uh, that was two and a half hours long. And I remember some stuff from it that isn't in the two hour cut. But, you know, the two hour cut is a really strong representation of kind of the scope of that you get even from the story. cabal cut. Yeah, sure. Like, exactly. Yeah. I would really like more, though. Yeah, there's not there's not much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is fair. There's very little story, and it's rushed. Getting Boone, yes. our protagonist Boone, to Midian, which is a monster town, <laughs> and, like, and, and nobody believes in it. Nobody in the human world believes in Midian. Very little time is spent building that up. We don't know what Midian is. We have no understanding of it before it really comes to it, like into the foreground of the movie. Because we're there just like, boom. It's just like suddenly. And then we see two monsters and we're like, what? Cool. And then we don't even understand Midian until we really are in it. So. Well, yeah, because then when he's finally there in Midian and they're like, oh, you're going to have to pass a test to become, like, a Midianite. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> a Nightbreed. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> so you, you got, like, this Nightbreed test that Sounds you have like to pass. Sounds like a type of metal. And he's like, oh, I don't even know if I want to be here, man. And then they walk through the next door. And in the next door is um, Doug Bradley's character. Gosh, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Uh, Lylesburg. Yeah. Um, Lylesburg, the kind of Nightbreed Moses. And... He's like, are you ready for your test? Right. And it's like, what, what test? And they're like, have you been practicing? And he's like, yeah, we've been, I've been practicing with him. And it's like, but he was just in the hallway saying he doesn't even know if he wants to be here. It's like he just arrived in the scene yeah. in the hallway. And I was so And then it's confused. like, he's been there like two months like, when he wait, walks through the door. Wait, what rules? Yeah, like, exactly. what test? I'm like, this makes no sense. But you went with it because what choice do you have? And here are some cool monsters. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the movie in its original theatrical form is like you understand it. You can get the story. It doesn't feel like the movie's done enough of the work for us in telling the story. It feels like we're having to fill in a lot, a lot of gaps. 
but it's still comprehensible and what we get is still really really neat and filled with monsters yes and that's that's the version that is on the 4k disc so as much as i would love it to be the director's cut that's on the 4k disc i imagine it is because of the quality of the materials that they have to use as inserts for the director's cut, that it would be too wildly varied or different or something, I am sure. I could have looked up whatever their rationale was, I imagine, but I understand, you know, when I got the disc in, I I got why there would just be the theatrical cut, knowing what I know about film and film stock and preservation yeah. and, and restoration and all that stuff. Taking, I mean, the, the Cabal cut, you saw in the special features parts of the Cabal cut are sourced from video cassette tapes that Clive Barker had from when he was making the movie that were like his early versions of the film that he was working on, those early cuts, or maybe even like raw footage or something that he would have on video that's spliced into the film. So we're yeah. talking really low-grade quality video stuff was, was in the Cabal cut. So... To piece it together out of all of these various sources, there there can't possibly be a really, really good-looking director's cut 4K version out there in my mind. But who knows? Maybe they'll prove me wrong and just do it anyway. Yep. I don't know. Never know. So you haven't talked about Decker, and that's a problem for me. Do you know why? Why? You should know why. Who plays Decker? Cronenberg. I completely forgot he was in this movie. I don't know how you forgot he's in this movie. Holy cow. And what's significant about David Cronenberg? He's your favorite... Filmmaker, yeah. Yes. Yes, your father's favorite <laughs> favorite filmmaker, yeah, is one of the stars of the movie. Darn near the star of the movie in my book. I have that sweater, that hoodie that I wear yeah. that has him with his creepy mask and a knife on the back. And on the sleeve it says, you know, I am death plain and simple or whatever down the sleeve. And yet people still come up to me in the park and ask me things about the park structures or whatever when I'm sitting there, you know, Al's playing on the playground or whatever. And other parents will walk up and still ask me questions and things. And I'm like, man, don't you see I'm wearing like a, a murder hoodie? I don't know. Maybe I just got a face or something that looks trustworthy. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Cronenberg's in here as Decker. One of the greatest, greatest characters. I absolutely love what he's doing. Cronenberg himself, like what he's doing in the character, what Clive Barker yeah. envisioned for this character. It's such a work of madness, this one role. Yeah. So what's going on with Decker? A lot. I, well, I mean, what would you like to talk about with Decker? I mean, we could talk about every little thing, but like, uh, what do you think about Decker? He's kind of our bad guy. I Yeah. He's the closest yeah, I think he, yeah, he's our bad guy, basically. Yeah, and in the theatrical cut, the studio pushed for him to be more like a slasher villain. So they try to make the first part of the film like a slasher film, but then he's just kind of the bad guy in the last part of the film. It's weird. Uh, the structure is very strange. But yeah, he's just kind of the guy who gets things started, but he's a, a madman. He's a human monster, right? He's like yeah. the worst version of a human. He doesn't want to be a monster. He wants to be a human, but he also wants to kill, right? Yes. The absolute worst kind of like iteration of a human being is Decker. Yeah. The mask thing is really creepy too. Oh, yeah. And I think it's cool. The button so, eyes yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the button eyes, like the zip up mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so creepy. And they do those great scenes with the uh, the kind of slasher build up moments 
to him appearing and killing people, which I believe were all reshoots. But I think they're kind of fun. You know, where it's just some random person. They're like like that lady eating the whatever that pastry off the floor. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That lady, you know, when she gets killed. It's, there's a lot of great buildup to those kind of moments. And I think those scenes work really well because of the character of Decker. So even though they are tacked in there, you know, they are fun because David Cronenberg is delivering. I mean, I'm not just saying it because he's my favorite filmmaker, but it's always been my favorite performance in the movie. You like the monsters, which are normally supposed to be the bad guys, but the good guys. And you also like the bad guys, which are the humans, which are normally the good guys. So basically, it's just good in every way, yeah. It makes you feel things that are surprising. Yeah. Right? Takes you in a surprising uh, place emotionally. You go into a movie called Nightbreed that's going to be about a city full of monsters and a guy who gets, like, who's drawn into this city full of monsters. You assume it's going to be about him trying to escape. Not that at all. He's Boone is like a savior figure for the Nightbreed, you know? So it's really cool in that way. Um, And we'll come back to it one day, I'm sure, and talk about it again when Al has seen the director's cut. Yeah. But um, let's talk about this this release really quick. Why don't you tell our listeners what's on here special feature-wise in general? You can touch on... You don't have to like list every single one, but kind of touch on the stuff that we watched that you like, that you found interesting, you know, that kind of stuff. Because there is a 72-minute making of documentary that <laughs> yeah. we also watched. That was really cool. And it explained a lot, too. Yeah. We'd have done this episode earlier if we hadn't been trying to watch all of the special features. Like, <laughs> yeah. We'd... That's why uh, we would have recorded this yesterday, but we watched all the special features. So, yep. you know, we just got sucked into the disc again. Yeah. We yeah. just like we, we put it in a while back and watched the, the movie here a while back, like a week back and then just kept getting sucked into the special features. So we finally finished them up yesterday. But Al, what stands out to you here? Special feature wise. I know you were talking about the, um, the makeup master class, right? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, the monster, monster prosthetics master class. Yeah, which is just a, a really great, like, 11 minute breakdown from, uh, Image Animation, the guy from Image Animation talking about the prosthetic work that they did and the whole process that a person has to undergo to get the prosthetics made for them. Um, all of the makeup work, all of the time they spend in the chair, all of the things you have to pour on people's faces and let dry, and then how you have to make the prosthetics and you have to dry them out and you have to clean them so that the chemicals don't burn people's faces, uh, what happens to them when you take them off the actors, all of that stuff. It is really informative. It's the whole process beginning to end described to you in great detail with a lot of wonderful uh, like pictures of the creatures throughout the movie right so really cool stuff there there's also matte painting tests which Mm -hmm. it's like just them like there's like a footage of them trying different matte painting looks like different color timings different positioning different movement of actors potentially right that sort of thing yeah that kind of stuff it was really interesting there was stop motion stuff right stop motion lost footage all of their original plan stop motion stuff that had to be cut for budget reasons and whatnot. That's what we watched, yeah? Uh, we watched certainly a lot more than that, but, but those, those are were the big ones, ones for yeah, you. Yeah, those were the big ones for me. So there was something that Alistair noticed that you wanted to talk about here regarding the special features uh, because we not only have this 4K version sitting in front of us, 
but I also have the original limited edition release of uh, Scream Factory's Nightbreed Director's Cut set. Yes. So why don't you talk about that? So the special features on these are actually the same. There is what I saw. There is no difference between them, but that's not really why we get them. We get them because they look better. Well, and in some instances, you know, like we, we're working with uh, the company to put out kind of a longer form review sort of project as well. So we don't always buy all of them. But yeah, when I can get a good deal on one of these 4K discs for a movie that I love, especially things involving Cronenberg, I'm all over it. I pretty much, no matter what, I always upgrade my Cronenberg. So that's to say then that if you want to pick up the 4K set, if you're thinking about it at all, if you don't already own the previous Director's Cut limited edition thing, if you don't own that, um, then absolutely this set is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. If you own the original limited edition of the Director's Cut and have that extra bonus, like special features disc and everything, you have probably everything that is on this 4K disc except for the 4K transfer of the theatrical cut. So that's really what you're weighing here. How much do you want the theatrical cut in 4K? Personally, I probably won't rewatch the theatrical cut in 4K often because I'm more predisposed to watch the uh, director's cut, you know? So I probably just won't look at that all that often. But if what you're looking for is Nightbreed in 4K, this is the only way to get it. Just note special features overlap, but not a problem if you don't own that previous set. Anything else to say about Nightbreed before we do some grave digging? No. Awesome. Alistair, what have you been up to spookiness-wise? What spooky stuff have you been engaging with? I know you've been playing a lot of video games. Yes. Any with monsters in them? Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, Terraria. <laughs> Terraria. It's, yeah. Right, it's got big old, like, Cthulhu eyeballs yeah, and there, stuff. There is a lot of, like, monster monsters that are pretty cool, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, you haven't been watching a lot of movies lately. Um, being summer, Al just got done with summer camp. So yeah. Al was doing day camp. And then after camp, Al would be pretty wiped out and would tend to go to sleep early. So not been watching too many horror movies. I'm looking at the stuff that I've been watching over the last couple months. And I don't see much that you went through the trouble to watch with me at all. Uh, so I don't. Um, we did watch the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, yeah. So there is that. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Because that's got monsters in it. Actually, I would rather the our listeners watch it. Uh, well, I mean, sure. But like that's the whole point um, of grave digging is we can then talk about something in yeah. a very, very short format version so that we don't have to spoil yes. things. How would you promote it then? If you think our listeners should watch it, what's your recommendation? It's, it's very different from what I originally thought it would be like. And it's awesome. I I just, I don't want to talk too much about it. I really want you guys to watch it. I love this so much. Way different than I, like I said, it was way different than I thought it would be. And it's just awesome. There's a lot of references and it's just full of references, really. And it's super, it's just, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to. We had a lot of fun watching yes. it. We watched it as a family, had a lot of fun with it. How much else to describe it? But yeah. definitely watch it. 
I really loved it. It was so good. Okay, so apart from that, you haven't watched too much. You've been playing some monstery video games and whatnot. I've watched some other things myself. I'm trying to figure out if there's anything in particular that I would recommend. One that did surprise me that I had quite a good time with, I watched it with my friends, is a Ruggiero Deodato film called Body Count from 1986. It is a really trashy slasher movie that is mostly about this group of campers walking into a rundown, like, nasty bathroom and getting killed. That sounds really weird. Yeah, it's just, you just watch them one by one kind of wander into this nasty bathroom. Uh, it's, it's so weird. Uh, and obviously, if if that doesn't appeal to you as a description, I don't know what to tell you. That's how they made the movie, man. But for a Deodato film, I enjoyed it, which I enjoy a couple of his movies, but, you know... Cannibal Holocaust is not a movie for everybody, and I am one of those people for whom it is not. Uh, nor do I find House on the Edge of the Park to be a particularly pleasant movie, and those are the two that are top-listed on his filmography on Letterboxd, so it's not one of them. <laughs> it is It is decidedly more fun. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. You can always follow me, too, on Letterboxd. I'm on there as Cadaver Dad or just Jeff Burnham, whatever. You can find me on there if you want to follow me and see what junk I fill my head with constantly. Um, and then you can ask me to talk about it on the show, I guess, or just shoot me a tweet or whatever the heck, and I'll tell you how it was. Because uh, I tend not to leave reviews on Letterboxd either. Um, but there you go. That's grave digging. I don't think we got anything else. Uh, but yeah, so, Alistair, I'm so glad you got to watch Nightbreed and that you sat through it and you gave it a chance. And that you loved it because yeah. now this opens up a whole other gigantic world of horror movies that I know you can watch because it's one of these watershed moments where, ooh, everything changes from this point on because Al watched Nightbreed. It was like when you watched Halloween, that sort of set a new standard for kind of like, this is as spooky as Al can go. This is as gory as Al can go. Yeah. Right. This is as monstery and freaky as Al can go. And this is... This is moving us right along, kiddo. You're on good pace with this for somebody who doesn't watch a ton of movies uh, yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, but cool. We don't have any new reviews to read. So, Alistair, uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at cadaver underscore cast. Right, right, right. Hold on. I'll pause you right there because Twitter's now X... <laughs> I don't know what that means. I Listen, y'all, I don't know how long we're going to be on X or Twitter or whatever it is or becoming. I don't know. I don't go on to it much. <laughs> I, I post little things about our episodes, and that's kind of about it, because otherwise it is sort of a nightmare scape I don't want to be involved in for the most part. So for right now, cadaver underscore cast on Twitter or X or whatever Elon Musk decides to call it next week. You can find us on Instagram at CadaverCast. You can find us on Facebook at the CadaverCast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. You can email us at CadaverCast at gmail.com. And you can buy our merch at teespring.com slash CadaverCast. There it is. You know what to do next. You've been listening to another episode of CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. Thanks. We love you. Thanks for listening, everybody.